Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to Two Black Guys with Good Credit, the show for the financially curious and the financially knowledgeable. Today... We have a important topic. There's a lot of discussion going on in this world, a lot of dissension, a lot of revolution, a lot of protest. Important is an understatement, brother. It's important is an understatement. You're right, Sean. Do you realize 30 years ago there was a slogan that was super popular in hip hop? Do you realize what that was? F the police? Right. Really? 30 years later, that energy is still percolating. Now we're talking about defund the police all around the world. People, there's protests in the states, protests abroad, and defunding the police is at the top of everyone's discussion. Defund the police! Defund the police! This system of policing has got to go. Our commitment is to end our city's toxic relationship with the Minneapolis Police Department. To end policing as we know it. So yeah, it's crazy. 30 years, NWA's got an anthem, and now 30 years later, we're, we're talking defund the police. The energy is still the, the same. Defund the police. Exactly. Defund they need the to do a remake. Straight. So, so the history is still going on. Well, Dion, why don't you, let's bring the lady with the facts in. Can you give us some history on, on the, the, the issues we've had with police in yes, our country? Yes, my brother, my brother Matt. Well, many scholars actually suggest that the push to fund the police originated um, among prison abolition and black liberation movements, although it's unclear when or where. So some do cite the Black Panthers push for community control of police back in the 60s and 70s, um, as well as partial divestment of the police and reinvestment into social goods. Um, There's an author, his name is Jordan T. Camp. He actually co-authored the book, Incarcerating the Crisis, freedom struggles, and the rise of the neoliberal state. He actually traces the phrase all the way back to the formation of the critical resistance, which was a grassroots organization working to dismantle the prison industrial complex, uh, which actually was co-founded by Angela Davis, Rose Braz, and wow. Wilson Gilmore. Wow. So, well, let me, let, me, let me just tell you what, I, what, you know, what we mean by defund the police out here in Brooklyn, in the hood, you know. The fund the police just means it's like moving government money around, taking some from the police and giving it to parts of local government, schools, healthcare, community housing, and and clinics and those sort of things. It's just reallocation of funds, moving the money around. That's taking absolutely it from- true. It's not like I know there's a, a big fear with some that it means like getting rid of police altogether, but no, it's like Sean just said, it's reallocating the funds and and funding other things that will grow the community as opposed to spending billions of dollars on the police. Yeah, and that's why we feel it's important to bring it on the show today because this comes down to you know finance, economics, and are we going to rebudget things? Or are they going to not rebudget things? And I think everybody 
um, listening to the show and everybody that's been part of this Black Lives Matters movement needs to really understand what they're protesting for and what they're doing and the economics behind it. It's very important. I'm glad you actually took the time to clarify that because people will hear the word defund the police um, and get scared by that term. So, uh, but this is something that's pretty scary, actually. So modern day police forces actually emerge in part from fugitive slave patrols whose sole job was to maintain the institution of chattel slavery. We know where it all began. They weren't designed to protect and serve all people, but to protect the wealth of elite whites. Since then, policing has become uh, America's de facto way of addressing many societal ills, concentrated poverty, homelessness, substance use and addiction, mental illness, and more so now, uh, they are saying to fund the police force. So I'm saying, you know, can we look at this from a, a community level? What are your what are your thoughts on this? And it's so simple. You know, when people basic needs are met, you know, crime goes down. We give people jobs. We give people good housing, proper schools. It's a direct correlation to crime being going down, to, to declining. I, personally, I think that the country in general, like I know it's a partisan issue. I know there's a, a big split on this whole topic. But when we talk about the community aspect of this, like you just said, Sean, when, when there's more opportunity, when people are working, like all those things are going to decrease crime. And when you look at how policing has become more militarized from the weaponry, from the, like, it, it's, it feels like we have militias in our communities as opposed to people who are there to protect us. It feels like we're being you know, it's an adversarial relationship. And Absolutely, like Matt. Absolutely. You know, it's similar to what our, you know, hopefully a mayor of 2021, our borough president, Eric Adams, said a couple of weeks ago on our show. You know, we need to have people that we have in these trigger happy dudes from the upstate or from the suburbs that know very little about African-American communities, African-Americans in general. And they're the one policing us and what they see, what they believe um stereotypes what they think and that's why they're so reactive we need people that reflect ourselves in our community to patrol us really and truly modern day policing it wasn't designed to protect and serve all people but to protect the wealth of the elite whites well at its core if the police force the if policing started with with slave patrol like that in itself is alarming and tells you that there's some deep-seated systemic issues probably at the core of, of the police force so it really does need to be addressed in terms of not only defunding, but uh, the, the mentalities being shifted of just, you know, not it's not just the money, the funds, but it's also the mentality. So I think, you know, that's a big part of what we're looking at with the community aspect of this is how the police are interacting with especially black and brown communities. And exactly what Eric Adams said on our show a couple of weeks ago. I mean, you're training these 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 you know white guys that are from Long Island, upstate New York, and they're coming to the inner city to Brooklyn to to manage and control the, our communities when they really know nothing about our community and they all they know is the stereotypes of they've read and what they've heard that don't reflect who we are. So they're already Let's coming scared and trigger happy. The, the training is also it's like from what I've read six months of training to be a cop, and right. like when you think about that, it takes more training to be a barista at, at Starbucks, then, you know, to, I'm joking, but it, it takes more training for these people to learn whether if you're, if you're from the community, great, you're going to have a respect for the community. But like, let's say you're from some other suburb and you're, you're policing in an area you're, you're not familiar with. If you haven't been trained properly in how to respect and how to de-escalate and how to talk to people and just how to do your job, it's just a disaster waiting to happen. Hey, let me just even say so, this for the record. Let me just get to a little... You know, we decided to do this show because, you know, defunding the police is about economics. It's about moving resources around and reallocating. And I think everybody listening to this show, everybody that feels that they should be a part of this Black Lives Matters around, you need to know the economics and the finance behind it, which what can drive this um, movement forward. And, you know, I am, you know, I'm really to put my head on a rock and tell you, I'm all about defunding the police. Like, I, I think it's something that we should do. We should reallocate funds because what currently happened hasn't proven that it works. Like giving us extra policing after controlling all the money spent on it hasn't shown a sign of success where all communities feel like happy and we feel like we're protected. Because me personally, and I'm not even a person that's out there, I'm a person trying to do good in the community, give to the community. And I am myself, I'm nervous about calling the police, interacting with the police. You know, I have to know in my head, I'm 100% right. There's no way around that I'm not wrong for me to feel 
comfortable engaging with the police. And that's sad. Well, I pay my taxes uh, like everybody else. Another, and Matt, do you agree with do you agree with defunding the police? I definitely agree with it, and not only the the re, the, the defunding, but the retraining of the police. And, and when I think about, and also the policies, there's like so many layers to it. So not only just the economics, which we'll get to more in depth later, but it's like some of the policies, like how we're we're criminalizing, like whether it's having marijuana or things that can be dealt with in terms of misdemeanors or through treatment or drug abuse. Like we're criminalizing behaviors. And it, we talk about the original police force being slave catchers. Well, it's also, we're putting people in, we're incarcerating people to have slave labor. So I feel like part of this whole pro mentality, it's like we're trying to arrest people, imprison people, the, basically the jail, the prison pipeline. And I'll tell you this, which people don't understand, you know, we're all about building generational wealth, creating wealth. And, you know, we've all had, there's all stories of men like 50 Cent that has been in prison and becoming out a millionaire, billionaire, 10 times over. But those stories are near and far and slim. Once you are in the system, you have a criminal record. It's something that works against you and works against you trying to create wealth because you have to really create non-traditional paths versus like you, your access becomes limited. So once again, this whole defunding of the police to me and reallocating resources, like Matt just said, so minor misdemeanors like marijuana, you know, car parked on the road and a Wendy's driving lot is not going to lead to incarceration. It's not going to lead to be getting arrested. These are things that have to be addressed because it stops us from our, it, stop, it stunts our growth. And also like with the defunding, it's like we're not saying you can't fund policing. There's going to be a requirement to... That funds are going to be required. It's when there's a billion dollar or an eight billion dollar New York budget for the police, and, and where there's an eighty percent cut in the education budget in New York City, like that's just an inequity. Where it's like you're you're almost trying to build a group of people who are not educated properly, who are then going to be criminalized, who are then get. It's like this cycle, as opposed to let's put funds into growing the community, funds into educating the community. That to me is is the the defunding is you know it's re, it's reallocating, but you still need to be paying for retraining, and and there's areas of money that needs to be spent to properly police in a way or uh, humanely police. And countless studies have shown time and time again that when people's basic needs are met, crime goes down. The idea that crime would go up if the police were off the streets is ridiculous. There's nothing to back that up. Like, I mean, and if people are educated, crime goes down. You know, I've taught in schools, public schools, where there's public schools in New York City that have swimming pools, and then there's public schools in the inner city in Brownsville that you can't even drink out of the water fountain because the water is tainted. So yes. when you talk about basic needs, this is where we talk about reallocating resources. There is a stat. Um, there was a report done in 2016 from the Obama White House, uh, White House's Council of Economic Advisors, that found that ten, there was a 10 percent when there was a 10 percent increase in wages for non-college educated men, it resulted in approximately a 10 to 20 percent reduction in crime rates. That's powerful. Yeah, and I've seen give people pay people, let them have a living wage, give people an opportunity, grow the community. You will you will lower crime. Yeah, you got you got 18 year olds like Matt said, six months of training out of the police force, and they're treating homeless people like they're criminals. You know, and yeah. really and truly, that's a community effort. That's defunding. Yeah. That's getting people that are not trigger happy, that are trained social workers to deal with the homeless. Because a lot of most people that are homeless have mental illnesses. And how and can a police officer with a gun? be equipped to, to like, train I was these watching people a, and go ahead sorry about that man no you're right i was watching an interview today where people were talking about how <laughs> it's really unfair to expect our police like regardless of how, you know right now there we're, we're there's some adversarial there's some kill like george floyd and all these things have everyone upset but even beyond that before that if you're expecting a good cop to be able to know when to use lethal force to be able to do some marriage uh, family counseling if there's a domestic dispute right. to know when to if there's a drug thing or a, a, a person who has mental health issues to be expert in all of these facets of of community service. It's kind of far fetched to expect these people to be able to handle all of these aspects and handle it well when you could you could separate them. You can. OK, you're 
We'll call police. Instead of 911, dial 511 if there's a, a domestic dispute. Dial 611 if there's like a, a person with, you know, a child who's, you know, who needs help or whatever. Instead of everything being lumped onto the police plate, like we can remove some of their responsibility. So do we need to defund or reform? Both. And, and let me give you like clear examples, like just give hypotheticals right now, you know, because it cuts to the core for me. Guy goes into a store, the cashier notices that he gives him a fake $20 bill. He decides to call 511, as Matt would say initially. The 511 guy comes down and says, hey, guy, this doesn't look like a real bill right now. Either we can resolve this on a community level or you may have to call the police. And what would you want us to do right now? We're going to take this $20 bill. We're going to let you go and we're going to give you a warning versus handcuffed, throw to the ground, step on his neck. I can't breathe. He's dead. You know, scenario well, number two. similar to what happened in, with the Wendy's. Similar not, scenario number two. Somebody calls 511 again, like Matt just said. We have a guy that's fallen asleep in the drive-thru. He's not getting up. Has he, has he been aggressive? Is he attacking anybody? Is he doing anything? No, he's just asleep in the drive-thru. All right, let's send Mr. Forbes and Mr. Smith over from the community service and see if they can help resolve it. Knock, knock, knock on his window. Hey, you need to get up. We can help you put your car over. We can take your keys. Arlington's going to drive you home. Matt's going to make sure your car is okay. Is that okay with you? Thank you. If he's been aggressive, if you're going to be aggressive, then may have to call him. But as that cushion, I even think police officers themselves would welcome that cushion. I do think there's some gray area where it's like if he was drunk driving, like there's some some risk. Had he driven and killed someone, it's like it's a slippery slope where people be like, yo, how did this happen? Like, you know, I'm just I'm not disagreeing that the 511 shouldn't have been employed there. Like you could have just got him an Uber. We could have gave him a citation and got him home. But it some of these cases, it's like. On a moment's turn, it can go from he's in the parking lot and we were able to mitigate and get 511 involved and get him home, or he pulls off and he's falling asleep at the wheel on the highway and kills someone. Um, you know, it, th I, these things are not a perfect science, right? but you, when you think of the economics behind it, the costs associated with it, and you think of past performance and results, I don't think it's going to make the scenario worse, you know, because like you said, your likelihood he could have done all that, but you know... From a taxpayer perspective, what are we asking to do? Okay, instead of assigning two officers to come deal with something that could be resolved, you're sending one person or two people to see if they can cushion and resolve it. So that officer no longer has to respond to those type of calls. They're going to respond to things that are more critical, you know, and this thing can be resolved within the community, maybe within volunteers. So I think the money is saved, the money is reallocated, and this is when it gets down to economics. And another black life is saved. And this person can then create generational wealth for him and his family to come and not worry about being handcuffed because, yes, they had too much to drink and they fall asleep in a, a drive through line. And then just to give you an idea. So there are some cities who implemented uh, reforms like Philadelphia, and they saw a decline in police shootings of more than 50 percent. And that was just between 2013 and 2017. Um, there were reforms done in just over in Camden, New Jersey. Uh, and th that that led roughly to doubling the size of the police force as well as enhancing the training. And the result has been a 95 percent de decrease in excessive use of force. And many of these reforms required more funding, not less. Well, but I, I just think, well, there's two points because you just brought up the more funding. And I know we were going to go into economics a little later, but like these the budgets for these forces are, are for some of these big cities are very big budgets so you know i think we can smart people could take a look at okay where we want to keep money here in this part but we don't need the police to do that anymore we can move that we can shift i i'm a firm believer that these budgets if you're trying to cut 80 percent of the new york city education budget Meanwhile, spending $8 billion. And my, the point that I really wanted to get to was the mentality of this militarized force. It's, I feel like we're almost addicted to, to like, whether it's sending our military abroad or having our police force, like, you know, in tanks and, and, and with the weaponry and even in the citizen, like, there's a whole lot of issues about guns with this country. Like, we're the most armed country on the planet. But I feel like the mentality of the way these cops are treating, not all, but 
But some of these cities, and especially in some of these black and brown communities, you'll see videos and footage on YouTube every day or, or social media of cops just stomping people out, shooting people, tasing people. You're, you're, you're trying to get gas. You're, you're, you want to, to get some Skittles. You're walking home. You're, you're, you know, there's all, the, all these cases. You're taking where a dog. Exactly. And, and what and people I don't understand is, you know, I'm getting back to the economics of this when people try to argue about, you know, re not defunding the police. Like these cases, the cases that we're going to see for George Floyd, the cases of what happened in Atlanta, they cost taxpayers millions of dollars. OK. And and in city and state and local, they have funds put aside for lawsuits against them to pay people out. We're only hearing about like extreme cases, but there's cases where. Black people were imprisoned for wrong reasons, where black people were injured by police, that it's not making the paper, and the city quietly pays them. I have everybody, I'm sure everybody knows a personal friend that's been paid by the paid off because of some court case that they were filing against the police. Maybe you don't Arlington and, and Westlake, but out here in Brooklyn, yeah, we know people, okay? And so there's things like where you can now use your prosecutors to prosecute other things. You can now use taxpayers' dollars to pay for other things. But to keep having this ongoing system of, yeah, we messed up, go to court, spend millions of dollars, settle, trial, well, settle, so trial. So also, to, um, the experience is different, saying. though. But mm -hmm. One other point, though. The experience is very different, though. Like, if you're a citizen living in Beverly Hills, your, your, your view of how police are, like you come out, you get your coffee, they wave to you and everyone's happy and smiley. And like, there's a whole different tone for people in Westlake or Malibu versus if you're living in a community where the police view you as a threat, they view you as a criminal, they view you as a, a, a danger. And that's like, so for the people who may not understand why this movement is spreading so or why so many people are passionate about it, like it could just be, you know, maybe you live in a community where the tone is much different, but it's not equal, equitable and, and the same across the board. Like in black and brown communities, it's the, the feeling you get when the police walk up or roll up or pull you over. It's a, a completely different energy than some of these other communities. So some are saying body cameras, right? That's that's one of the solutions they're recommending. An extensive study done of more than 2,000 police officers, that was back in 2017, that found the that the body cameras had almost zero effect on deterring officers from acting with unnecessary force. As evidenced by the recent police shooting of David McCaddy, um, officers can simply turn off their cameras. Another example, the NYPD banned chokeholds more than two decades ago, which didn't stop Officer Daniel Pantaleo from holding Eric Garner. Eric Garner. Yep, until he stopped breathing. So strong police unions and police giving the benefit of the doubt, you know, encouraging misbehavior. Um, as we can see, these tactics aren't working. Well, what else is is not working our sponsors want us to take a break so we can keep working so are those same we're going to take a break Arlington wants to chop their heads off those sponsors are we talking about i can't confirm or deny that but everyone you guys stay tuned we are talking about defunding the police as nwa would have sang 30 defund years the police. ago <laughs> so we'll be right back with more of this conversation two black guys good credit defunding the police when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. You bad Welcome back to Two Black Guys with Good Credit, the show for the financially curious and the financially knowledgeable. Today we are discussing a hot topic, defunding the police and how that's impacting communities and also the economic component to this uh, issue. And and before we took our break, Dion, you had mentioned body cameras and how that uh, had not been actually lowering crime. I I think it's interesting and, and, and there's many reasons I think for it, but I think the cameras on these cops and also the cameras on our camera phones where we're all filming interactions with the police. I think it's a lot of this is is showing us the mentality and showing us the tactics. But the system is this is how they've been trained. The courts and the, the, the prosecutors and the police and the unions like they're all. I think in cahoots for so many years that whether you see, we watch the footage or not, and we're outraged, but when these cops get uh, questioned, a lot of times it's thrown out of court. It's not, they're not prosecuted. They're not, you know, nothing happened. So yeah, it's an outrage because we're actually seeing it because there's more cameras to film what actually goes on. But this is just kind of the way it's been designed to work. So now that's why we have to, the defunding and the retraining of the police needs to happen. Absolutely. Now, um, some would say crime, wouldn't crime increase without police? And will crime rise and cost taxpayers more dollars? Can we well, can we look at that from a, a purely economic standpoint? Sure. But I would say the whole defunding the police doesn't say we don't want police. So without police kind of is a, a bit of a, 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 a alarming question that I think is not necessarily accurate. But um, Sean, what are I'll your thoughts you, I'll tell, on? I tell you this, you know, it's so it's so ridiculous. It's just a ridiculous thing to say. I mean, if funding the police would actually do the opposite. Labor costs are like a huge part of police budgets, and cutting those budgets would inevitably mean slashing salary benefits. I even think like what we talk about the community service, community work. I don't think we have to pay like a community person if you dial five one one the same salary that we pay a police officer, and I don't think the, the resources would be as as needed. So is defunding just not the correct term for what is needed to be done? Right. I think it's a term that definitely falsely alarms people or they can they, they get confused by it. They think it means getting rid of police. I don't think I think so. The word can be cause confusion. But if you pay attention and if people like do their research and just see that, like, OK, no, we're not talking about a no no need for policing then I think people who do their research should no longer be alarmed by the, but I get how the word people can make their assumptions. You know, I would say it's this, you know, putting the right people in front of the right situation. We can all agree, like a cop shouldn't be the one being a social worker as well as a police officer. It's putting that social worker there, putting that community person, putting the right person in front of the right situation. You know, if I'm going to buy a pair of shoes, I don't want to be guy trying to tell me, trying to tell me how to, to uh, fix my car. You know, if I'm going to if I'm going to, you know, get on a plane, I don't want a guy trying to teach me how to how to ride, a, how to drive, a, how to drive a car, you know, kind of I'm thing. I'm with you, Sean. I'm it's it's you. getting the right person. If I if you stepped on a flight and said, hey, the pilot couldn't make it today, but we're going to have uh, we're going to have little Sean that is an expert go-kart driver take us on this flight. You're going to be like, no, you just need to get the right people's person in front. And it's. And this is the reason why all this is happening, because we just don't have the right piece, whether it's by race, whether it's by training, level of education. It's just not the right person facing confrontations that could be easily resolved had the right trained person been there to handle the situation. I think what's been the default is that cops handle everything. I mean, I've had landlord tenant issues and the cops come. I've had, you know, a homeless guy in front of the the cops come. Like, it's just I think that's the change that needs to happen. Absolutely. And I I just want to kind of put this in perspective here. So 
the 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 weight um, of of or how it's weighted in terms of how many calls they really are getting with regards to uh, mental health calls, for example. So in the Washington Post, they had actually um, done an article um, that actually found that one in four people killed by a police officer suffered from a serious mental illness. And that's a staggering fact. Look at what you're seeing. The right, person, trained... the right person was in place. There was also um, estimates um, uh, that uh, actually said law enforcement spends 21% of its time responding to and transporting people with mental illness. So can I just say this, just to drive that point home? You're a mechanic fixing cars. Well, one in your, every fourth customer that comes in wants their plane fixed. Like, you know, I fix cars, but hey, can you fix my jet? Hey, can you fix my jet? One in every four person that comes in wants their jet fixed. And you can honestly say, well, I've never been trained to fix a jet, but I'm going to give it a try. Hopefully, it'll fly. Hopefully, by the time I'm done with it, triggering it, it'll, it'll fly. And that's what well, these cops are, are trying to do. They're coming in, trying to be social workers, deal with the mentally ill, and they're just treating them like criminals, which is the problem, which is why funds need to be reallocated. Another angle to look at, it's kind of like comparing what we do here in the United States to what's going on internationally. Like police in the U.S. are killing far more people than law enforcement in other developed countries like the U.K., Japan and Germany. It's 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 a mentality thing, I think, like that we are just our country is just gun crazy. Because guns is business. Prisons is business. Gets down to the economics. Like I always say, downstate New York is supports upstate New York, meaning that people that get arrested and detained and get held brought to jails upstate is supporting those communities those there's towns in the new york state that are considered jail towns meaning that all of their primary income comes from incarceration we've talked about the big b in the past i just want to drop that here so according to a recent analysis the u.s spends 115 billion dollars annually on policing which is bigger than nearly every other country's military budget. We spend more money on policing than what countries spend on defending their entire country. Exactly. So are we, are we not in a war? Are we not in a war? Are we hmm. not in a war? Yeah, exactly. I mean, they've talked for years We're about in... the, quote un, the quote unquote war on drugs, which is this other rabbit hole of kind of like this circular way to, to jail people of color. But anyway, the point that I and wanted to make was... you not see our was, current president trying to defend the wealth and hold the wealth and not share? I mean, it's just but, amazing but that's with, that. Well, with these budgets going through the roof, these billion-dollar budgets, you think about the people who are in charge of these budgets and think about just, you know, police agencies, police unions. When you are conditioned to getting, you know, most companies, they want every year to grow their budget. They're trying to get more money and just out of greed and out of just growing. And then we can pay ourselves more. We can for the people at the top of the chain. So I think it's difficult to get police unions, police leaders, police, the people who run police to want to give back money. They're trying to line their pockets, obviously pay their their the staff, pay the cops. But I think if I'm the head of, of the police, if I'm the head of the union, like I'm not thinking I want to give back any money. So like, you know, I, I don't think that it's we don't have the money to reallocate. I think they don't want to give up the money. Right. So, yeah. So we're 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 spending all this money putting together these huge budgets. But then there was actually a study done in 2019, so just uh, last year, uh, in Minneapolis, and basically we're investing, but we're not seeing the return. So in Minneapolis, police only cleared about 56% 50 of the cases in which a person was killed. That same year, Baltimore recorded at least 347 homicides, a record-breaking level of violence, but end, ended the year with a 32% clearance rate for homicides. In 2015, the rate was 56%. Across the country, rape cases result in notoriously low numbers of charges. So, so they, let's just say on average, they have about a 50% success rate. So you're spending it? no, it's, it's like less 30%. than no. Okay, let's just call it. Yeah. In 2017, less than fifty percent. Police success rate. closed just thirty-two percent of rape cases, and hundreds of thousands of rape thirty-two. Have so gone, that means have just seven out of every ten men that rape a woman get away with it, or a okay? woman who rapes rape a man, or a woman who rapes a man. 
So like, like, let's just hear what we're talking about here. I like to give things in real terms so people understand and I drive the message home. From an investment perspective, if you're investing $15 billion into something and you say, hey, if you put in $15 billion in this investment, we have a meeting amongst the heads, I'm going to give you a 30% success rate. I'm going to make sure that three out of every 10 men that rape a woman are going to get caught. I'm going to make sure that five out of every 10 people that commit a crime are going to get arrested. Would you invest $15 billion into that or would you say something is wrong with that system? We just said, Dion, what was the stat of how much money the U.S. spends on policing? What was that number? That was $115 billion. $115 billion, correct? So let's just say, Arlington, you're at the top of the food chain. You're, let's make this position up. You're the chief of all police in America, right? And then you disperse all the money through all the other police forces throughout the United States. And they said, we're going to give you... 115 billion dollar budget and you sit back and tell whatever the president whoever the person you report to say okay based on this 115 billion dollars here's what i'm going to do with you for your money like any investment if you give me here's what i'm going to provide you i'm going to make sure that three out of ten men that rape women or women women that rape men are we're, we're going to catch i'm going to make sure that five out of every ten crimes that are committed in the united states are, are going to lead to convictions would you say after that meeting, would you go back to your group and say, yeah, I think this guy's worth giving $115 billion to? Or would you say, you know, we need to take another course of action. Let's figure out another plan that's going to give us higher numbers. Or maybe we can get seven out of ten rape people that rape caught versus two. I just think we're going down a road where it's kind of like, I, I don't know. We, we don't know how difficult it is to, like, what percentage of, like, oh, you, you need to catch you know, 80% of the rapists are, are, are 92% of the drunk drivers. Like, to me, it's like, this issue for me is more about the humane treatment of well, people. Well, I'm just trying to I'm drive not the trying, point, Matt. I'm not I know, I'm just to, saying, I I'm know trying to drive the point that this is not working. Where okay. the return on investment sucks. That's my point. It sucks. And nobody can debate that. And that's the point I'm trying to make. In my anal analytical terms, it sucks. And it's not money that's well spent. So I, I why, why I go back to the like, point of like, we need to defund the police? Because the money that they're investing and spending is not giving favorable returns. Well, That's I, I my point. I, first off, well, I, I'm not denying or, or arguing whether or not we should defund. I just think that argument to me is a little shaky because like, I don't know that there's some new way of doing it that's going to garner better uh, percentages. Yeah, it's called defunding the police. It's called getting the community involved. It's getting people that, that know the situation can help. There's, rather than putting police in front of every scenario and think that they can resolve it. That's what, that's what the, this is what this is all about to so me. So the rate, the rate percentages is going to be affected by defunding the police? Possibly. Yes. Yes, okay. it will be. Well, great. Yes. I'm all for it. I, I have no, like, if that's, if that works out, I'm all for it. I'm no. I don't think anybody is against that. I I just feel like it's it's kind of like a, it's an interesting point. I just feel like that's in a world that unknown. we live in where everything is so specialized. Like you have people that I specialize in turning a screw left, or I specialize in turning a screw right, or I specialize in this. Everybody, there's niche businesses. This the policing is still doing generic work. Overall blanket. You handle this. We handle all this. Yeah, come to us. We do it all. This is not the times that we're living in. We're living in where, where people are very specific in the work and roles that they do, but it's not. It hasn't crossed over to policing. They do. You do hear how they're overburdened. Everything's specialized nowadays. I get a guy that specializes in only clips the left toenail on my foot. I don't do the right, just do the left. This is a specialized world that we're living in. Okay, policing that is was not visual We did not need. <laughs> definitely did not. I got, I got well pedicure toes here. Let me tell you something. Y'all can go to Sean. We don't need to visualize a, those ashy nubs. Those. <laughs> <laughs> keep, that, keep, keep that to yourself. I'm just going to say this. Uh, you guys have all made some very valid points. I think this, this needs to be said um, before we round out this conversation. Um, in the first 24 days of, 20, of 2015, which was not that long ago, U.S. police shot and killed more people than police in England and Wales had in the past 20 Four years. That's according crazy. Back, and once again, Washington back to Post. Since 2015, police have fatally shot approximately a thousand people a year, and the oh. rate that police kill black people is more than twice the rate of white people. Each year, about 
50 police officers are shot and killed on the job. And it gets that number. You're putting $115 billion into this type of investment. And these are your results. Black and white. No pun intended. No. Something's not working. It's defunding. Defund the police. Defund the police. I'm sorry. I'm a numbers guy. And this is what we're getting to return our investment. It, it makes no sense to me. And I, I dare anybody to, to give me a better argument and tell me we can't do things better. Well, other countries I, are. I, I will say this. The, the numbers argument and the budgets are eye-popping. The thing that gets me more than anything is, is just, and I know the first sec- segment we were talking about the community aspect, but like when, I, when we watch and see, like the social media era we live in where we get to see all these video clips, like not, it's not anecdotal evidence. We see what's going on in these streets. We see George Lynch. We see Rodney King. We've seen from then to now. We see, you know, all this footage. That's the stuff that's like just, it's just clear that something's got to change. This is not working. I mean, the, the numbers are also evident, but like the tangible, like the life that we see being lost, those numbers that you just read, Dion, about from night, from 2015, you know, the the more people being killed in those countries in 24 years. That's crazy. A quarter of a century. And I don't want right? to get back then, to the but numbers when you, again. But when you put that on there, Matt, when you talk about these are fathers, these are sons, these are daughters, fathers, brothers, these are sisters, mothers, daughters, right? You know, so we the saw humanity at, of the it. humanity, right? So we looked at the looked at it at a community level. We looked at it from an economic level. Um, now let's look at it from a, a, a political standpoint if we may, Um, you know, and although, you know, there's a handful of elected officials around the country that have vocalized their support of defunding the police, including Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who said she's actively advocating for a reduction of NYPD budget, most politicians actually loathe the idea. Joe Biden's spokesperson recently said the presidential candidate supports the community's urgent need for reform, so that and Donald Trump, on the Donald Trump is against, Donald Trump is against defunding the police as well. It's on both sides. It's bipartisanism on both sides. Don't just talk Democrats, talk Republicans too. Both sides are not about defunding the police. So, you know, to part of the sadness about all this conversation, it could probably most likely, and I believe in my heart, will go in vain. Because these are the people that make laws, change laws, and make things happen. Unless we keep protesting and keep out there on the streets, all of this is going to go in vain because the higher-ups that can make this change on both sides are not about defunding the police. Personally, I, I don't think that's the case. I think it's we're in a we're, we are in an election year and this is a red state, blue state divided topic. And I think it's not divided, the, Matt. I'm hold sorry, on. Let me, I'm making a point that, that, yes, it is divided. I think this is many of the red states are like if you watch and listen to what the, the rhetoric coming out of these red states about defunding the police and how they feel about this. It's completely, it's mostly the liberal states that are for this. It's mostly the democratic states that are, that are talking about defunding the police, that, the, the, by and large. But my bigger point is that I don't think presidential candidates want to touch this with a 10-foot pole because it's a radioactive topic. I, believe, I think Biden is laying in the weeds, not wanting to, 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 to support this because he's still trying to get disgruntled Trump voters. And a, a recipe to not get disgruntled Trump voters, because this is a partisan issue, is to run around talking about defunding the police. Now, I, I don't know. I, that's my gut. I feel like once he gets in, I think the liber- the, the, the blue side of, the, of the, the coin is more apt. And also, I don't think this is federal t- politics anyway. It's state government that's going to really determine and I think it's going to be in these 50 states, it's going to be the red states and the blue states. You're going to see the states that mostly defund and have heavy uh, reorganization and refund, uh, re- reworking of their policing. I, I would bet you we're going to see way more of the, the blue states that are going to do this. But well, I just I'll don't think I'll say this. There is um, no. just before you just before you go there, Sean, um, there was a random national uh, sample of um, 686 adults that were polled and 64 64% said they oppose this movement while 34% said they would support such a move among black Americans supporting uh, this was nearly doubled. Uh, 57% said they would support defunding. 
Well, I would say this, and thank you for saying that, Dion, and from and you speaking first because it gets to my point. You know, at the end of the day, the reality is, as my friend Arlington would always say, the reality is we're going to have either a 78-year-old president or a 74-year-old president in 2021, right? And they have their old school thoughts and traditions. The only way we're going to make real change, it's the young people have to get involved. The grass movements have to get involved. That's who's going to make this change. That's who's going to push these agendas. So despite May, you may not like how people are protesting, the way they are protesting, it's necessary to protesting. Protesting needs to come from blacks, whites, yellow, green, all young people need to keep pushing these agendas forward and bringing some new ways, new innovative ways of thinking and doing things. Because even myself and Arlington and Matt, we will always tell you, having a young person on your team is just invigorating. It that's brings, what I it bring. Just, that's it, what I bring to this to this team. Yes, oh absolutely. It just brings I, in I a different. Right <laughs> it brings in a different thought, a different process, a different way of looking at things. So, in order for this defunding to really and look who's look who's one political who's going Cortez and she's young, <laughs> you know, there's a direct correlation. So we need to have that type of mindset in order for this to be effective. Because I am sorry, what's happening today? is ineffective from a straight numbers perspective and the results and what's happening, it's not working. And we can't also, just be like, oh, it's, it's, we, it's also we can't though, be like, it's, it's, it's community-based. Can I finish, bro? Can I finish, bro? You were kind of going on for a long time. You can't, so why don't you wrap that up? Go ahead. So it can't be like a, a do-nothing situation. It can't be like, oh, it's red and blue because that's the old-school way. Of, that's the old-school way of thinking. I'm sure these young people are going to come up with red, blue, and they're going to come up with a purple. They're coming to come out of a way to make this change happen. And we can't think in that kind of mindset when it comes to something so critical. Land, or you can deal in reality. The reality is this country is divided. There are red states, there are blue states. And if in a red state they like the way they're policing, or if in a wealthy area, if a wealthy community is happy with their policing, maybe they don't need to defund their police. But if you're in a city where your police are not working for you, I don't really care. Like to me, it's, I don't need every state to agree. I don't need every city to agree. But if you're in a city where it's not working, you should vote and you should talk to your your officials and you should, you know, basically make those changes that every every city doesn't have to have the same policy. This is not a national across the board thing. It's you know, you have state and local government. Use it. My point once Amen. again is well Matt, I think in your roundabout way we may have some kind of agreement when a sense that, you know, we believe that change needs to happen and I and it's gonna be this new movement that's going to make it happen. It can't be in, in the traditional sense that we've seen for the last umpteen years. Young people are the ones going to be the catalyst behind this changing and when it comes to defunding the police. And they're going to come up with a real, the, the new Facebook way of doing it, the new Google way of the new Instagram way of doing it. And it's going to happen. I believe it. Well, change is definitely, it's the time is now. Like the, the way the energy this movement has, it definitely feels like it, there's no time like the present. So hopefully, this this momentum will bring about positive change. Uh, we thank you guys for tuning in and listening to this special defund the police edition of Two Black Guys with Good Credit. It's a hot button topic and there's a lot to be discussed and a lot of parts that need to be moved and, and work to be done to get it right. But the energy is there for this change to happen. So, Dion, why don't you tell the people what they need to know? Yes, I'm sure the mail will be pouring in. Um, please email us your comments, your feedback, your questions to tbgwgc, that's two black guys with good credit, at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at two black guys good credit. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review to make it, other, make it easier for others to find us. Like a dot compost who said, fantastic. It has helped me a lot. Thank you guys for your podcast. And remember, small change can create big impact. And my name is Dion Nichols, the lady with the history, the stats, and the cold hard facts. I don't know. I think that there's some copyright infringement with the change, you know. But anyway, I won't let that slide. But <laughs> with my nothing, my, my nothing changes. But it's all good. Um, <laughs> I, I just want to uh, sign off by saying. Everybody get out there and vote and pay attention to these local, state, federal, every election. Make your voice heard. Get involved in your community. 
you know, it takes people being active, engaged, and awake. Get involved, make your voice heard, and make it happen. And my slogan is nothing changes if nothing changes. So you got to make that change, people. And I'm Matt Smith, and I'm out. I'm Sean Linda, the better half of two black guys with good credit. And I just want to, first of all, thank the people that are out there protesting to make the change and to make our place, our world safer and better, not only for myself, but really and truly for my kids. Um, I just want to especially thank you guys for protesting. Continue to do what you do. Um, Defunding the police is something that needs to happen, that I believe will happen, but we all have to actively participate in making it happen. We're only a voice to try and push you to convince you for, forward to do the things that need to be done. So I'm Sean Linda, once again, the better half two black guys with good credit, and I'm out. Keep your money where it belongs, your damn pocket people. <laughs> the Two Black Guys with Good Credit podcast is produced by Matt Smith and Arlington Forbes. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist-approved, so fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.